Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Bounce pass for the cutter and stolen by Gonzalez. It was intended for Yanusa. Here is Shaley in the front court lead. Pass to Gaston driving in and scores. Longhorns have jumped quickly to a 10-point lead. Timeout, Oklahoma. Trying to dribble, penetrate, picks it up. Drops it back to Muhammad again. I mean, a couple of dribbles. Now to Gonzalez. Fires up a three and nails it. Shaley hits her first three of the night. Texas up six, 30-24. Gaston, who gets the pass now on the baseline. Back out front. Holly measures up a three. That's good for Shay. Holly's first bucket. Longhorns up five, 33-28. Off balance, piston, rebound, Texas. And Harmon able to shot, put it forward to Gonzalez. Shaley with the lay-in. It'll go back in the Hattie five. On the baseline. This time it's good and she's fouled. Well, if at first you don't succeed, she kept working it. Got the bucket. Yanusa trying to dribble in. Lost the dribble. Had it stolen by Harmon. Going one-on-one with Todd. Here she goes. Bounce pass to the cutting. It's up. Unselfish basketball. He has an entry pass into Taylor Jones. Nice spin move. Rattles it in, does Jones. Yeah, spin move it was, Craig. She went right at the pressure and then spun away from it. Into the front court. Out to Gonzalez. Out to Morris. Cranks up a three. She got it. 12-point Longhorn lead. Harmon swings a pass left side to Shaley Gonzalez. Looks for Taylor Jones. Left block against Kirsten Johnson. Working on her. Spins. Turns. Up and under move. Got the bucket in one. Great body control. She squared up. Got Johnson to commit the foul. And Taylor coaxed in the shot. Here's Harmon into the front court. Three seconds. Two. Pulls up. Jumper. Good! What a way to end the quarter. And the Longhorns will take a 19-point lead into the final 10 minutes of this basketball game. Into the third quarter. And the Longhorns carried it on from there. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Light the Tower. On the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. Glad to have you with us. Thanks to our producer, Cam Parker, who compiled that and uh, put it together. Thanks as well to Jack Farrell, who was uh, uh, last night as our studio producer, and he culled the highlights from that 78-58 Texas win over 14th ranked Oklahoma, number 12 in the coaches poll, and they beat the Sooners by 20, who were in first place in the Big 12 Conference standings. And now what you have is a mirror image. Men's and women's basketball in the Big 12 Conference through eight games of conference play. There's a three-way tie atop the league standings. And two of the three teams on both the women's and men's side are Texas and Iowa State. On the men's side, it's Texas, Iowa State, and Kansas State. On the women's side, it's Texas, Iowa State, and Oklahoma. But they have a three-way tie atop 
the standings. Glad to have you with us. Jeff Howe will be along shortly. Coming up, the bottom of the hour will be Vic Schaefer, the uh, head coach for the Texas women's basketball team, joins us for our weekly conversation. So uh, Vic will be with us. We have lots of basketball to discuss, not only here on this program this morning, but also uh, tonight we'll have Longhorn Weekly with Rodney Terry, and that comes your way from Pluckers, the West Campus location in Austin. And I believe Dylan Mitchell will be our player guest tonight, so we'll be Mitch out there as well. So Cameron Parker's our producer. How are you doing this morning, Cam? I'm doing good, Craig. You mentioned both men's and women's team being tied atop the Big 12 settings. I think we all expected them to be here, but mm-hmm. different stories on how they got to where they're at at this current point in the season. There's an old uh, phrase that I like, and I think the reason I like it because it applies so my friends will tell you, and probably a lot of listeners will tell you, that it really applies very well to me in terms of when I'm telling a story and the phrase is going around the garage to get to the barn. So, or going around the barn to get to the garage, uh, that sort of, yeah, that's me. Sometimes I can wind out a story in that sort of, sort of thing and throwing in some details. Uh, but it's kind of been that way really, uh, for both the men and women, especially the women. Uh, because if you look at what's happened with the Texas women and, and Vic Schaefer, he and I talked about this, uh, I think, uh, when we were in Waco, uh, after the win last Sunday at Baylor, he, he kind of shakes his head when you think about the fact about being in a first place tie or whatever, because he thinks about the losses, not the wins. Here's Texas six and two. Uh, and they and they hit the midway mark, the exact mathematical midway mark of Big 12 Conference play on Saturday night when they play Oklahoma State. Well, Oklahoma State is one of the two conference losses they have. Uh, in That was in Stillwater very early in conference play. And what he thinks about is they lost a game they should have won. And, and quite frankly, they should have won that ball game, but they didn't. Uh, and they allowed 86 points in that game. Oklahoma came in last night third in the nation in scoring average at 88 points per game, and they held them 30 points below that to 58. And that's why – and we'll hear Vic talk about this. That's why he's he's always on the hunt, always on the prowl for consistency. He wants to say, but, you know, it's 18 to 22-year-old kids. You're not going to have – and your opponent changes. You play better opponents. Now, again, he'll look at the two losses as two – there were two road losses. They have not dropped a conference game at home. But he looks at it as there should be two wins there. That one, and Oklahoma State's not bad, and and they were hit shooting lights out. The one I think that he thinks is just unforgivable that they should never drop is the one a week ago in Lubbock, um, and that, because they just they got behind and it was a slog to get back to within a point, and then way too many turnovers and all those kinds of things. That's what he means by consistency. Can we get a game where? You don't have uh, a, a passel of turnovers and giving up a high shooting percentage as well and, and, then, and then missing a lot of shots right around the basket, the bunnies. Those are the ones that can drive a coach crazy. And on the men's side, they, they had a lot of turnovers the other night uh, and uh, on Tuesday night against Oklahoma State. But those, the kind of turnovers they had didn't damage them as much because they were able to get back and get stops on defense, they gave up very little in the points off the turnovers. Now, the counter argument at that is, yeah, but it takes away a scoring opportunity for you. It does. 
if you get the stop on the other end, it can mitigate it if you come back down and score, but it still removes a scoring opportunity. So anyway, those those are the things that coaches will nitpick and and line item and things like that because that's their job. It's what they do. As Vic likes, I hope he says it again this morning. Again, it's a miserable way to live, as he likes to say sometimes. So we'll see. Um, my co-host, of course, not a miserable life for him to live because he lives down in Hayes County, but he's, of course, the pride of Northwest Williamson County and a proud graduate of Florence High School. You know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24-7. That's Jeff Howe. I was so proud of myself this morning. Like, yeah. I got up early and everything was plenty of time to do stuff and leave the house. And I always, I always get a little bit away from the house, and it never – impacts me i'm like okay did i remember to put my computer in my backpack and i kind of feel in the back seat where yeah, I yeah, put yeah. It? i'm like yeah uh. i left my computer bag at the house <laughs> so I was like, man i finally get a little bit ahead and then because there are days forward, two steps back it, it, there are days and we've tried to explain it to people there are days where you you will not be able to be here right at the start of the show with me because you're working on things for horns 24 7 or whatever they're just days where that's going to happen and there are some days where quite honestly you know the time i have in the morning with my daughter that's yeah. pretty much the only time i'll see her yeah. at all that day yeah so 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 we know we knew that going in we <laughs> talked about all this up front but on a day like today where you lay everything out, everything's good As to go. As I texted Cam and Craig at like, what did it text you guys at like 9.15? Like, yeah. dudes, it's, it's, it, ain't, it ain't happening on time today. So It's all right. We're, we're all here. We're all gathered. Let intern David back there take a note that when you leave the house for work responsibilities, make sure you have your computer bag. Now, not only is the computer in the bag, but that said bag is on your person there you go. before you pull out of the driveway. There you go. Hey, somebody on the Specs text line at 337-3776 says, any loss in Lubbock is inexcusable. Uh, you know what? On the men's side, it may be getting that way. You 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 texted me in advance uh, uh, to tell me. I was that, keeping an eye on it last night after we had that conversation on the show I thought, yesterday. I thought Tech would have the breakthrough last night against a struggling West Virginia team, and then you let me know even before the uh, Texas women's game tipped off, that it was going to be difficult for Tech because uh, Faradol Zamak was unable to go, right? And uh, I think uh, uh, Carlos Silva, good dude, by the way, Lubbock mm-hmm. Avalanche Journal, covers Tech. I saw Carlos' tweet. I think he's dealing with a foot bruise. Not Carlos, but yeah. I think Faradol is dealing with a foot bruise right now yeah. and missed the game last so, night. So that, and, it was, and, and I had it on uh, my iPad, so I was keeping – track of that while Wish calling I could see Craig like when he set up especially like baseball like when Craig set up like on a baseball Sunday or a baseball Saturday mm. you got the game in front of you that you're calling you got the TV going and there's a game on there and then you've got the iPad going mm-hmm. and the laptop yeah what what we usually do in baseball and I have more room too than at the, the it's tighter confines of the table so I usually just have one other game going on just so I can keep uh, track of what's going on with that other game and and uh, but on home baseball games there's a big monitor in the booth. That's for replays of the game that we're calling. We have to see. So that that one's tuned the Longhorn Network on on uh, uh, on home games, or if it's being televised on another uh, by another network or whatever. Yeah, Craig's not joking. It's like a big computer screen sitting right in front of him. Yeah. So I have a laptop to my right that I'll have a game on, and I have my iPad to the left, and you got the stat monitor in front of me as well. This is you keep track of what's going on. I, I remember how much fun it was watching. When Texas won the Big 12 championship in 18, uh, David Pierce's second year, and went down to that final weekend of the season, and it was Oklahoma State against Texas Tech. And the Longhorns had to win all three games against TCU, and they did, yeah. and they had, they had uh, 
the Cody Clemens walk off and uh, he had a, a leadoff homer again. I remember when he had to, when he, they moved him up to the top of the order and all that stuff. Yet, so you had that, and you had that coupled with Texas Tech had to lose all three games at Oklahoma State, and they did. Yeah, and it went down the final thing. We stayed on, and the Texas game actually ended a few minutes before it was in the night. But we stayed on the air, yeah. And sure enough, Oklahoma State I think won on a walk off, and 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 there were a lot of fans in the ballpark, and they got all excited. And were you know, what was even that. crazier than that though. The twenty one, the last day of the regular season, uh, we're watching. I'm keeping an eye on that K State TCU game, right? What's oh, going that crazy on in Manhattan? Game. And I'm like. You know, Texas is beating West Virginia at that point. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I forgot what the score was. And I'm like, K-State's got the bases loaded with one out. Yeah, it was like it was like 10-8 or 10-7 yeah. or 10-8. And Dylan Phillips comes <laughs> through for I, them. Uh, so I had to educate Kevin Rodriguez, the baseball SID, and a couple other UT personnel that were wondering what, because uh, we were going, yeah, Emaw, hashtag Emaw. Everybody was K-State fans that day. And everyone's like, what is Emaw? I'm like, every man a wildcat. It's what K-State. Yeah, you know, yeah, they're big on their the whole deal. They're big on the And then, Emaw. like, I remember, uh, I think it was Zach Zubia was in the on-deck circle, and he heard a big cheer. And he said, "What?" He's and, and Zach said his immediate reaction is like, well, "Did the swim team just win the national championship? Like, right, what's, right, right. what's going on?" And then he said, "Somebody looked at him and goes, hey, K State just beat TCU.'" And that's when everybody in the dugout started realizing we're about, you know, we're a run rule win away from winning a conference championship. All of a sudden, which is exactly what happened there. Uh, so there was that, and then during the game last night. Now I'm not seeing anything further about this. Uh, but they had another significant injury, didn't uh, Texas Tech? I'll be honest, Craig. Once once Fardaz was out, I just kind of didn't pay attention. Pop and, Isaacs. Oh, I Pop think Isaacs go down. I think last they night? had to help him off the floor in the second half, uh, and he needed he needed uh, medical attention and, and trainer assistance just to get off the floor. Last night it looked like a turned ankle or an ankle or a knee injury or something like that. And again, it was on the thing, and I saw it off the side, so it was difficult so um it's a tough go for texas tech right now no doubt about it i know a lot of folks take some pleasure in that for example somebody on the specs text line just posted a thing up uh from a fan site where it says knock knock who's there owen owen who owen eight because texas tech is owen eight in big 12 conference play brutal uh, uh, so yeah so anyway uh, oh, Pop Isaacs did have an ankle injury. Yep. Last yeah, night. it didn't look good when they helped him off last night. So I don't know how you know. And he was on crutches. Dang. Yeah. Uh, when it rains, it pours, man. Somebody said, "Question for the crew: Thoughts on if a regular season championship, if regular season championships are relevant or should be uh, yeah. celebrated?" Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I and I know where you're going with this, with regard to what the postseason is all about, and. Many teams wind up winning national titles that did not win the regular season the, uh, championship. It happens. Well, the year Texas went to the Final Four, they didn't win yeah. the conference regular season or the conference tournament. That's right. That's right. But you still you hang the got final beat in the first round. In fact, in the in in the quarterfinals. Was that Texas Tech? Yeah. Was that Andre Emmett with the late Andre Emmett, Bob Knight coaching it, and then they went. But they were the number one overall seed and went to the Final Four. So I, I, I get what you're saying there. Uh, there's many I, I can cite and in. Not exaggerate and use the word many times that Duke or North Carolina won a national title when they didn't win either the regular season or tournament title. Now it used to be in the certainly in the seventies, something to the eighties, 
you had to win the ACC tournament to get, you know, not only get the automatic bid, to get the only bid. Mm-hmm. The NCAA tournament did not expand to 32 teams until 1975. So you weren't, if you didn't win the ACC tournament, you were probably not going to get into the NCAA tournament. In fact, you weren't going to get into the NCAA tournament. Right. Right? Best example of that is 1974. 1974, NC State, um, of course, wins the national championship with David Thompson and Tom Burleson and Monty Tao and Mo Rivers and Phil Spence and Tim Stoddard, the future major league reliever. I remember all those guys. And in the finals, they had three great games with Maryland during the year. Maryland had John Lucas, and they had Tom McMillan, and they had they had all these really good. Uh, uh, let's see, Brad Davis was a freshman the next year, seventy five, I think. I don't think he was on the seventy four team, but they uh, they could have, if not should have, won any or all three of those games with NC State, and they lost all three, including in the Ch- ACC tournament championship in Greensboro, one hundred three one hundred in overtime. This incredible game, and. Maryland left out. I think they had two losses the entire season, or three the entire season, and they chose to pass on the NIT. They'd won the NIT a couple of years ago when they got knocked out, and they were like, no, we're so despondent over it, we'll just pack it up and go home. Hmm. So it was like that back in the day when I remember in the ACC, you were not declared the ACC champion unless you won the tournament. The regular season was played for the seeding for the tournament. Mm -hmm. But I had a similar situation when it was the voice of the Crumb Bobcats. Back in college. Wow. In their district. And it was a 1A district at Crum and Collinsville. Prosper, now a 6A school. Is that back when only one one team went, or was it two? Uh, back then, they had just gotten to two. But you would get you, to be the district champion and get the automatic bid, you had to win the uh, you had to win the district tournament. And you had Crum and Ponder and Ooh, a district Collinsville. Tournament. Yeah, they had a district tournament. Uh, so, you know, those, those kinds of things. And obviously now, and I understand the question, I understand the question about whether regular season, the relevancy of regular season titles. It's relevant in terms of helping your seed line for the NCAA tournament, yeah. and yeah, it's a it's a conference championship. <laughs> I guess it's all relevant, like or relative to whatever program you are. Like I know I know Nick Saban said at one point. I don't know if it's caught up now, but he said, "Hey, he said we've won the national championship more often than we've won the conference championship." Yeah, uh, that's where Alabama was. But there's certain programs like. You know, UCLA basketball, Craig, I've never been to Rupp, so I don't know what Kentucky does. You know, Texas baseball. There's just some programs where you celebrate a regular season mm-hmm. championship, but when you look in the stadium on game day and what is recognized, you only get a number up on that wall if you if you win mm-hmm. the big prize. And I think uh, Kentucky, uh, North Carolina, Duke, they may have one banner in the corner just list like, you know, they have it in very small numerals. Their conference title, 1957, 58. You know, they do it on one band. Notice that when I, went in, when I went into the Smith Center uh, this summer. Yeah, yeah. they, they the have summer, that. Whatever. Uh, the, somebody else on the Specs Tech line said, uh, tech fans love to claim, quote, Mark Adams didn't get on the plane. <laughs> Thank goodness he did. That was I remember that was a big thing about that when Chris Beard took the job. Mark Adams didn't get on the plane. But, it, but um, you know, that's that's just – uh, you know that, and and Bert Orangetti with a good take says all my KU fans value the regular season conference championship over conference tournament championships because they won what was it fourteen in a row or at least 15. shared yeah. shared there were two of those were shared with Texas mm-hmm. uh, you know but but they had all that and and what the, and I've been trust me folks I've been to Allen Field House in early March like for a regular season finale, when they clinched, they either had already clinched the conference title or share of it, 
or clinched it that day against Texas, and they'd have on their senior day, they would honor their seniors before the game, and then when the game was over, they'd have this big, long table out with all those Big 12 championship trophies. And, of course, I always said those Big 12 championship trophies looked like a big toilet seat. But anyway, they, yeah. had, them, they had them all like laid out in a row. Uh, there for that. Pretty impressive sight. Was that the eighth or ninth time Keith Lankford got recognized on senior day at KU? <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. Young man from Fort Worth. Absolutely. Did, it, did the high school all-star basketball game that he played in, uh, Keith Lankford. I think Wayne, out of North Wayne Simeon's another one yeah. that seemed like he was there forever. There were guys that played there a long, long time uh, as well. And somebody else said, I think regular season championship for basketball for G5s is more frustrating because it only helps with seeding in the conference tournament is that same for baseball or no? That's true because in the G5s, unless you're really, really good, like Drake one year and, uh, well, the COVID year, I mean, Dayton was out. It felt really bad for Anthony Grant. Oh, those, the, the one-bid leagues. Yeah, those one-bid G5 leagues. Uh, you know, North Texas last year won the regular season title but lost in the conference Te- tournament. It's happened to Texas State. It's ha- it happened to Texas State. Exactly. Two years in a row. Yeah, so – yeah, for the G5s, got to win that. There. But that's kind of what makes the championship week a little more compelling, mm-hmm. obviously. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, which which uh, one bid, the, the COVID year, which one bid league did you call? Southern. Southern Conference. And it, so was, it was days before the shutdown in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. It was like March the 9th. And then it was like, what, the 11th, I guess Will it was? Will Purdue was or, on the call with you for that one, wasn't he? No, uh, that one was John Crispin. You okay. see him in the studio for his – Will Purdue has been with me on it. That okay. season we did Baylor and Tech, okay. Will and I did in Lubbock. Uh, but John Crispin was working with me on that. Southern Conference Tournament Championship, Wofford against East Tennessee State. East Tennessee won it, and, uh, and, and Wofford had a player – who turned up on a roster of a team that Texas played this year? I saw. I, I'm trying to remember who it was they were playing, but it, uh, it was a non-conference game, and uh, he was he was a transfer for off of that Wofford team from a couple of years ago. But that yeah, it was uh, right before or three years ago. It was right before the shutdown, days before there were already some protocols in place. But they went in and played the game there in that Asheville Civic Center in a uh, small building. Who knows if that turned out to be a super spreader or not. Uh, and and uh, East Tennessee State won it. Steve Forbes was the, was the head coach he of East was. Tennessee State. Steve, Steve Forbes was. And uh, you know now, what I think, now thinking Wake about Forest. from the Wofford roster, I think it was Virginia Tech had a couple of guys in the NCAA tournament last year that were on that Wofford team. I think you're right about that too. There was a player this year that okay. had played on uh, played for Wofford that was on a roster of a team that Texas played in non conference. I don't remember who it was, but but in any event. Um, Steve Forbes was the coach and is now the coach of Wake Forest. And uh, they won that tournament. And I went straight from there the next morning to Kansas City. And then that's when all the extra protocol calls were going into place. But we were sitting there that night watching the 8-9 and the 7-10 play-in games in front of Almost a full house, 14,000, 15,000, with bands and cheerleaders, knowing that the bands and cheerleaders weren't going to be there tomorrow, but the next day it was going to be weird. And, and I was just kind of trying to take it all in, thinking how weird is all this. And then we get to the next day, and it doesn't even play. Mm-hmm. Shut it down with Texas and Tech on the floor warming up. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Vic Schaefer, Texas women's head coach. Uh, that'll be our Longhorn Notebook coming up. We have other things to get to as well, Inconceivable and more. We'll continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Light the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way, alongside Jeff Howe. Glad to be with you this morning. And it's time now for our Longhorn Notebook. And our Longhorn Notebook is brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert, your Longhorn lender. Check around the web at bowersockteam.com. Joining us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline, our weekly conversation with the head coach of the Texas women's basketball team, fresh from that 20-point blowout win over Oklahoma last night, is Vic Schaefer. We'll get to the ball game in a moment, Vic, but I, I always like to draw on your uh, your your uh, knowledge and uh, your experience with classic rock. Were you a Super Tramp fan? Did you like Super Tramp in the late 70s? I liked all that stuff in the late 70s, brother. <laughs> yeah, I told you, I... I've, I've been to all the concerts. I've done all that stuff. So I've, you know, uh, uh, that that music we're playing before tip, that yeah. Thunderdome. That's 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 me, brother. I love that stuff. <laughs> well, your group brought the thunder uh, last night, and and uh, uh, I, you've been on this program many many times where you've used the phrase, and I completely get it. I understand. It took me a little while to understand it when you said it's a miserable way to live. But if you keep having performances like last night, the misery really dissipates, doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you can win, it, 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 it you know, it's, it makes things a whole lot easier and a whole lot better. Uh, I don't know that it's easier, but if you're winning, at least it validates what you're doing and how you're doing it. And I think as coaches, you know, we, we, we sometimes feel like we're beating our head in the wall trying to get you know, our teams to do things a certain way and be consistent doing it. And and that's the piece that's really challenging for a coach. And uh, as much as our kids need confidence and, and again, you don't get confidence by just saying it, you don't get swag just by saying, Hey, we need to get our swag back. You get your swag back by winning. You get your swag by the way you do it. And, um, you know, for us, it's right now, it's just the consistency piece. And, uh, but, you know, for me, as a coach, you you love seeing your kids go out there and playing their guts out like they did last night uh, defensively. I mean, Oklahoma is so good on offense. They're averaging 80-something points a game. I mean, they got players all over the floor that can score the ball, can shoot it, can take you off the bounce. I mean, it just they're a vet. That's like the oldest team in Division One, Craig. Yeah. Like they're they got six-year seniors, fifth-year seniors. Senior seniors, I mean, they're just a really old, you know, really old, smart team. And and so they've been doing it a long time together, not at other places. They've been doing it together. And so when you can go in there and, 
force 24 turnovers of that group and hold them to 58 points, you can't help but be excited and proud of your kids. And then knowing, hey, you know what? If we can do that now, as a coach, what do we want? We want more. More is better. And so if you can do that last night, how, how, how do you justify some of the, you know, the hiccups that we've had? You can't. And, and, and so that's my job as a coach. I got to develop that consistency with this group. Cause if we can consistently go out and play like that, we'll have a chance. Vic, I've heard a lot of basketball coaches talk about this. And I think, you know, people in, in gen pop might take it as coach speak, but, uh, really, when you talk about what generates offense, a lot of coaches talk about it goes back to our defense kickstarts our offense. Defense turns into offense. Uh, is the best example of that, Vic, just being able to not just forcing turnovers, but forcing live ball turnovers and then pushing the ball up the floor once you get those live ball turnovers and, and try to hunt as many easy baskets in those situations as you can? No question. I think you, you with our team, we're really good. You know, when we can get out in transition, when we can get some long shots that have long rebounds that come off and Rory can get us started in the break. And, you know, Shaylee's really good about getting out and running the floor. She's She's been really good all year. Last night, Sonia got, got one uh, in transition. And and so if you can get those, here's the thing, guys. If, if you get two or three layups a game in transition, your shooting percentage goes up 5%. So if you can find a way to get some layups throughout the course of the game, your shooting percentage is going to go way up. You're not living and dying by the jump shot. And, um, and so, you know, for us, no question, we're, we're really good in, in the open floor. We're good in transition. We've got some speed and athleticism out there. And, and then we got some kids that can spot up and shoot the three. So, you know, that's always a work in progress in my mind. Um, the consistency piece of what are we doing in transition, I think. Again, that's coaching. Uh, we've got to do a better job. I've got to do a better job of, of getting us consistently doing the same pattern over and over again. But uh, you're right, you know, offense. The, the offense you get off your defense is usually much easier than having to do something on the half court. Vic, the other thing that comes to mind about with offensive efficiency and I've noticed this over the last couple of ball games. certainly the, the wins uh, over OU last night and Baylor last Sunday, is a more concerted effort in attacking zone. And, and it, I've heard you say it before about, you know, a lot of teams will sit back in that uh, hope you miss zone, you know, that, that type of thing. And, and, uh, and yet it looks like whether it's Rory or somebody else finding a way to punch a hole in the zone and then kick to whether you're talking about Deanna, who's really been scoring for you lately, Amina Muhammad's coming on for you a little bit now, and, uh, you know, that to get your post. Taylor Jones, obviously, has been scoring well lately. But finding a way to attack zones, because a lot of teams aren't comfortable offensively against zones. It's like a 2-3 zone they see or a 1-3-1 one, one paralyzes them. But of late – your group is really attacking the zones. Well, I mean, you know, let's be honest, Craig. A week ago in Lubbock, we didn't. Yeah, that one there wasn't we so just, much. You're right. We accommodated them. Yeah. Yeah, we accommodated them. And, you know, you go back and you look at the film, the film don't lie. And, you know, you just have to have a real honest conversation with your team. And, and with me, it's it starts with Rory. And you just say, hey, guys, what are we doing? I mean, the game plan going in is to go inside and the first five out of your six shots are threes. I mean, that to me is, you know, that it, that's not good. 
And so what are you thinking when you're doing that? Like you're just taking the scouting report and, 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 and throwing it in our face and going, oh, I got my own ideas. And so I, I think you gotta, you gotta have those conversations with your team um, and, and go, look, this is, this is why we're doing it. We need to be consistent doing it. You know, uh, last night we had a couple shots blocked early. We had, you know, we, I thought we were soft down there. And then the second half we went to work and, and Taylor had a big half. D had had a good first half, but even D shots in the first half, a lot of were face-ups. But I thought in the second half we, we went to work down there and, and, and Taylor had a good half, good third quarter. And, you know, we, we, we just made it a conservative, concerted effort. I thought Sonia made some great passes down there and in feeding the post, getting Taylor some easy stuff. So, you know, it's just, Again, it's 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 the evolution of our team, Craig. I I, I keep saying it, and it's not an excuse, but it sounds like one. But we we have no senior class. We have one junior that we inherited from the freshman class that we inherited when we came here. Deanna Gaston came with me from when we came here. So our freshmen and sophomores, we have one, we have two freshmen, and we have one, and we have one sophomore playing from our sophomore class because Amo got hurt. So we're we're just so new and so, you know, it's just hard to develop that chemistry in such a short period of time with so many new players that are playing big minutes for us. So we're going to continue this ongoing process. We'll get better. I, I hope we don't have any hiccups like we've had, and you know take two steps, take one backwards, but that's the inconsistency that we're dealing with right now. And until I can, we can put together some classes and develop some consistency within our team and their program, um, you know, the portal, it only encourages these issues, y'all. I mean, you know, it's just the way it is. And with a team game like basketball, it's, we're just different. You know, it's it's not quite like any other sport in my mind where the chemistry piece you know, is so critical and you have to have each other's backs on offense and defense. You, you got to have a, a real team chemistry to you. Visiting with Vic Schaefer, Texas women's basketball coach here on Light the Tower on the Horn with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. Vic, that, that brings up something that uh, I've been meaning to ask you about, and this is as good, as good a time as any, but I know from, from the men on the men's side, uh, you know, with the NBA rules, the, the, that one-and-done rule, they've been – it's been a while for them where it's kind of roster building has almost been a year-to-year proposition. And now with the portal, it very much is. Do you feel like the women's game, what you're dealing with in terms of roster management, it, has has the portal forced it to be more short-term thinking as opposed to thinking, hey, we can, we can get a class and, and map out kind of the next three or four years? You know, the answer to your question is – both. Uh, for me, I've always had great success developing kids. You know, uh, I've not had a lot of kids over the course of my career that have transferred, and, and, and I've not taken a lot of transfers. And it's it's just always been that development piece. We've been really good at developing players. Well, now with the portal and, and, and things and with kids transferring, I mean, you've got to your, your roster and the shape of your roster is always going to be, to me, it's a, it's a, it's a, always going to be a moving part. And so, you know, you just have to, you know, do your homework. Um, 
you know, for me, taking a transfer, you don't want to take somebody else's problem. It's like buying a used boat, right? You don't want to buy somebody else's problem. Right. Um, and, and so with, with the transfer portal, you just got to make sure you're getting kids that fit, that fit your system, um, that are your kind of culture kids. And that's hard to find out in a short period of time, but, you know, you, you got to try to do that. And uh, at the same time, I'm always going to recruit young. I'm always going to recruit freshmen, and I'm always going to be committed to them. So, for instance, in that 24 class, there are certain people that we're after hard that we want. And my commitment to them is I'm not going to take somebody in their position out of the portal that's got two or three years eligibility, unless they're just an absolute monster. Then that might cost me that kid. But yeah. if, if if I'm going to be committed to that 24, I'm going to show them, look, I'm going to take this kid out of the portal, but they only got one year. They'll be gone by the time you get here. You're going to have a chance to come in here and play right away. That's my commitment to our young kids. I've always been that way. You know, when I signed Rory, I, Rory knew, hey, we needed a point guard. We'd lost Kyra Lambert. She was going to have a chance to come in here and, and really be our starter, which she ended up being. And I just think that's the way, you know, Amo was going to have a chance to be our starting four player because we didn't have one. And and she was good enough, sixth-ranked kid in the country. That's, to me, if you're going to develop and build a program to where their junior and senior year you're playing for national championships, that's the best way to do it. Now, can you still do it a different way and do it with portal kids? Sure. Look at our volleyball team. They, they're a great example of building a national championship out of the portal. Again, I don't coach volleyball. To me, from the outside looking in, it's a little different. But still, he got great players to buy into his way of doing things. I mean, that's hard to do, y'all. Give him credit. Give him and his staff credit. They did a, um, an unbelievable job. Lost one game all year. I mean, that's so hard to do. Like, that's not even – fathomable in my mind and yet he did it so you know there's there's different ways to skin the cat as they say you know and uh this is this is what we're trying to and i'm trying to figure out as a head coach uh this is going to be completely uh off topic other than it's ncaa tournament and it's women's basketball related i know you got your head down and 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 so does lindsey wisdom hilton and elena lovato and blair schaefer and your staff is grinding and working uh right you you hit the halfway point of conference play this saturday we'll talk about oklahoma state in a moment but uh this is something i haven't even asked you yet uh you're 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 less than 50 days away from selection uh you know selection sunday when it comes down and uh there's a change this year with the women's tournament i don't know if a lot of folks know this but uh while the 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 top 16 are going to get to host first and second round as they have in the past i know you're working to fight your way back to being a top four seed on all of that the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight, they're only going to two sites this year, Greenville and I believe Seattle, and they're doing two regionals at at uh, at each of those. Did you, did you have any thoughts on that? What what did you think when they when they first said, hey, uh, it's going to be in Greenville, South Carolina, we're going to run two regionals out of there, and we're going to run two regionals out of Seattle. There's not going to be four Sweet 16 Elite Eight sites this year. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting concept. I know that Antonelli's been fighting to move it to Vegas right. um, for years. But 
you know, we'll see how it works out, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'll be anxious to kind of see how. It, I hope I'm in it. You know, we've we've got a lot of work to do before we even start thinking that direction. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how all that shakes out. And, uh, you know, uh, instead of having, you know, four, fourteen pods for Sweet Sixteen, you've got, you know, you got two eighteen. I guess is what you got. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, but I think, you know, I think our our organization, the WBCA and the NCA, I think they're just they're looking for different ways to promote the game, promote women's basketball, and to try to have packed arenas. Yeah, and 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 by the way, you had a season high attendance last night six thousand over sixty six hundred. Uh, I know you have to be pleased with seeing the uptick. This this upwardly moving needle for your for your attendance has only been on the rise during the course of the season. How much of that is 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 your group? Playing, playing well and beating some good teams, and how much of it is Moody Center? Do, do you think that's that's really helped the attendance now over sixty six hundred last night? Yeah, I think it's both. I think you know, I don't care where you're playing. If you earn any good, then nobody's going to come see you. And so I think our kids warrant, um, you know, what's taking place because I think they're fun to watch. I think we've got kids that are personable, they're approachable after games, they're fun to watch. Um, and, and so I think that's a big part of it. I mean, I tell, I say this all the time, you, you, you better not take for granted my team and our kids, because we have some really special kids playing for the university of Texas right now. And you don't take that for granted because it doesn't, you, you can't, you can't just assume there's going to be another one after that. And after that, it's my job to see that we have great players year in and year out. But each of these players is really unique in their own way, and their personalities are such that they really are, you know, great kids and, 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 and nice to meet. They're personable, and they're fun to watch. And, and so I think right now we're, we're, at least at home, we've played an exciting brand. Um, you know, Craig, we had some people that went to Waco the other day that I'm pretty sure they ain't been to Waco in a long time. <laughs> yeah. um, I used to have I used to have fans go with me to Oxford, about 2,500 of them, and about 2,000 of them would never even think about going over there for a football game. I had people tell me, Vic, I haven't been over here in 30 years. <laughs> and, and yet they'd go with us over there for basketball every year. <clears throat> but it, that's just part of building your program, right? You want people to, I, I don't want to go to these places by myself. I need, we need some help. We need some people in the stand supporting our kids. And it was fun to have that group over there in Waco. And, uh, I think our fans enjoy winning on the road as much as I do. Yeah. And so, um, the fans last night were super, um, the atmosphere in there, as you know, is really, really special. Um, you know, really, really pleased with the, the 6,600, but you know, it's just like with my team, I want more. Um, you know, I think our, our kids, you know, warrant it. Um, they're fun to watch and, uh, you know, we got so many, such a big, big group to, to pick from with 2 million or whatever we have in the area. I just think, you know, we've got to continue. We can't sit on our hands and be happy with what we got. We got to continue to, to press on and get that thing to 10,000 a night. And, you know, that helps everything y'all helps recruiting Uh, your kids, you know, the, the atmosphere, the, all that. I mean, teams, 
teams not wanting to come here and play here. I mean, you just it, it just is so important to have that home court advantage. So really appreciate all our fans last night, the students that came out. They just make such a difference. Like it's just you can't put a value on it. Like it's just what they do and the atmosphere they provide for our players just make it such a unique and special place. And that's part of the University of Texas, y'all. I mean, that, that's part of the fabric of our university is the atmosphere that we have at our athletic sporting events. Mm-hmm. When somebody's sitting in an easy chair on Sunday afternoon surfing and they come across a game and it's loud and it's packed and they're like, what the heck's that? Who's that playing? Where are they playing? Man, there's a lot of people there. And, man, they're going crazy. That looks pretty cool. Hey, honey, come in here. Hey, Beverly, come in here a minute. Look at this. You're fixing to go to college? Have you even looked into this place? Because this place looks pretty cool. There's a lot of people in this game. They're pretty excited about women's basketball. You might want to look into going to school there. If they're that excited about that, they, they might be pretty excited about a lot of things there in Austin. That's how it works. That's how it worked where I was at my previous place. So, I mean, it, it's, it's all important. And it ain't that, you know, it's – that kind of advertisement, y'all, don't cost a lot. Mm, no doubt. Hey, before I let you go, I want to get your thoughts on this rematch with Oklahoma State. It'll be three weeks to the day went in there, and I know uh, I know it was quite distasteful to you to, to allow them. They, they scored 86 points, and I, I give them some credit. I knew you do as well. They There was a time they couldn't miss when they were shooting three-pointers. They were knocking down some long-range shots, but I know you also saw the, the other things that prevented your team from winning that ball game, which was a very winnable ball game. So what are your thoughts about this this matchup and, and uh, getting ready for uh, this rematch with uh, Oklahoma State on Saturday night? Well, they're they're playing great. Um, the coach is doing a great job with them. She's got to be mentioned in, at this point in the season for, you know, at least in the talks for coach of the year. Uh, um they're, they, I tell you what they are. They just they play really hard. They're tough. Um, they have a, a, a real toughness about their team and the, the aura of their team, and they're getting great point guard play. And um, it's a kid that came with her from UMKC and knows her system, and she's leading them in scoring. She's, you know, four assists a game, uh, two, you know, two you know, uh, assists and a half, uh, steal and a half a game. The kids running her team. I mean, you know, it starts to me, it starts there, but then she's got some veteran kids that, and a kid like Lexi Keys that she inherited, and and um, Taylor Collins who she she inherited is really tough. She was sixty four percent from the field. I mean, she's just got a real mixture of some kids that she's recruited, and then some 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 kids that have been there a while. Delap's been there for a while. These kids have all been there and, and know what Oklahoma State's all about and have a lot of pride in their school. I can just tell watching them play, having to deal with them year in and year out, playing them, competing against them. So, you know, we'll have – they had they won last night, scored 82 points again. They scored 97 – excuse me, 93 when they lost at Oklahoma on Saturday. Um, they're really lighting the scoreboard up. Scored 80 against TCU, 70 at Baylor, and beat them after they had beaten us, scoring 86. Um, so, I mean, it's – you know, they they can score the ball. And uh, we're going to have to, again, have a great defensive effort, have great focus, um, and really going to have to do a whole lot better job defensively with some actions that they, you know, came at us with. So, 
it'll be a big challenge, y'all. I mean, there's no question. Every game in this league is a big challenge, and uh, they're they're better today than they were when they played us. And when they played us, they were good enough to beat us the first time. So hopefully, we're better, and um, you know, we'll be able to to really um, you know continue to play well. Again, you heard me last night. I, I need consistency. I think that's what our team is missing right now is consistency. And so another opportunity at home, you've got to protect your home court. We'll be at home Saturday night. So we've, we've got to protect our home court and we've got to play well. And, uh, uh, you just take them one at a time. Uh, the final thing here, somebody wanted to know if you had anything interesting on your grill or your smoker lately. <laughs> Pards. I haven't even been home to, to eat dinner. I've, uh, I've slept up here at the office uh, just about every night. Last night I did go home, but I, it was at one thirty in the morning and uh, back up at 7.15. So, Grill's been quiet. You know, I, I, I've, I've, uh, it's hard to cook when you're inside the office. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Sunday will probably be our next day off, and uh, that'll be a good day where I can go to church and – and and maybe we'll throw something on the on the cooker and 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 cook on Sunday. It's supposed to rain, um, but um, you know maybe that'll be a day I can do that. But you know this time of year, guys, you're just in the grind, and uh, you know all you can do is live day to day, give everything you got to the University of Texas, give everything you got to your team, and and um, you know it's just a it's just the life that that I live right now. And uh, but it's okay, and uh, it's what we do. And um, so we're we're in it, in it to win it. But you give me you give me something to think about other than X's and O's for about two seconds. So <laughs> maybe I'll get Holly to go by the meat market and pick up something. We'll put it on the we either put it on the smoker or we'll cook cook steaks or something on Sunday afternoon. So it'd be good. I'll, I'll be at the office at some point, but maybe I'll have a little time after church or something. We can do something. There you go. Hey Vic, I appreciate the time as always. Uh, best of luck on Saturday night against Oklahoma State. We we'll look forward to visiting again next week. Guys, y'all are the best. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Y'all have a great day. Praise the Lord and hook them horns. That's Vic Schaefer. Thanks, Vic. Uh, head coach of the Texas women's basketball team. And uh, they're tied for first place right now with Iowa State and Oklahoma. They play Oklahoma State, one of their two conference losses. It was back on January 7th, uh, that, that uh, heartbreaking loss to, uh, to Oklahoma State there at Gallagher-Iva. They have a chance to, uh, as the great Vin Scully would say, balance the books. Uh, when they have the uh, the rematch with them. That'll be Saturday evening, 7 o'clock, 6.45 pregame start time, 7 o'clock tip-off, uh, and you can hear it on 105.3 The Bat. All right, when we come back, we'll have Inconceivable as we uh, roll into hour number two here on Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049-1019-1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. You know what might be inconceivable? Jeff and I were just talking about this during the break. Think about this, Cam. The possibility, just a possibility, possibility the Cincinnati Bengals could wind up winning a Super Bowl before the Buffalo Bills. Yep. Think about that. It's wild. 0-4 in the Super Bowl. Now, the Bengals are 0-3 in Super Bowls, twice to the 49ers and last year to the Rams. So they're 0-3, and they can join that roster of Bengals and Vikings in the 0-4 Timers Club if they if they get back there and then lose again. But I'm sure they're willing to take the opportunity. Are the Bengals going to hang an AFC finalists banner in the stadium like the Colts did? I don't know. There's a lot of fluff in the rafters at yeah. uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah, yeah. 
It's like Miami Heat. You looked at what's in the Miami. Like the Miami Heat have Michael Jordan's number retired. Like, what are, yeah, that's. What are, what are you doing? Yeah, Craig, is the streak of Longhorns that have won a Super Bowl is that still alive? Uh, not one, but appeared in a appeared. Super Bowl. Okay. Won. Yeah. Yes. I think yeah. that goes back to I want. I want to say Taji Allen in that Rams. I think Super you're Bowl, right. I think is where it started. Yeah. The uh, with uh, the the Rams. The 99 and Rams. Yeah. Or no, they would. It would have to be Dan Neal then. Yeah, because Dan Neal was there twice with the Broncos. That's exactly right. I think I think it starts with Dan Neal. I wrote. I, I'll find the story I wrote. I wrote about this. Did I write you? about this every year at the Super Bowl. So yeah, I'll, I'll go back and find it. How many? How long does it take you to forget about a story you've written? Um, I don't know that I ever really do. They just kind of get <laughs> filed. kind of get filed away. That's why I do stuff like I forget. You know, my bag for work in the morning. Like I just got stuff all in these file folders. It's not really all that important after the fact. I got you. Okay, uh, one guy who doesn't file away his experiences. I follow him on Twitter. He's fascinating. Buzz Aldrin, second man to walk <laughs> on the moon. Apollo Eleven, right? Buzz Aldrin just got married for the fourth time in his life. Buzz Aldrin is 93 years young. Why bother, Buzz? Uh, he's. It, this is someone he's known for a long time, and she's a scientist like him. Okay. Dr. Anka, A-N-C-A, Fowler, F-A-U-R. Sounds like a character from Star Trek The Next Generation, Dr. Anka Fowler. I was uh, going to say Rocky and Bullwinkle, but okay. Oh, there you go. Okay. Uh, so he's on his he's on his fourth marriage. He just got married. He just he just turned 93 same day as Linda last Friday. So, Linda didn't turn 93 though. Nope. Nope. She's considerably younger than than uh, Buzz Aldrin, but uh he's he's fascinating. You follow him on Twitter, the stuff he has to talk about. He uh he he wants them to really accelerate this thing about getting a man mission to Mars cuz he wants to be on it. Hey, by the way, I know you're way more into space than I am, yeah. but I did see something this morning on the Twitter machine that made me think of you and your love for space. Yeah. Saw kind of a big outer space view of there's a I guess this happens during the summer in Antarctica where these icebergs will pop up where you know a big iceberg will break yeah, away from the continent. Sure. There was one and it showed like the process of it breaking away. I was like, man, that looks That's really cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very scientific looking. Yeah. Big chunk of ice yeah. floating around. That would be neat. Um are you um Cam, are you into uh, the whole crypto scene? Cryptocurrency. No, I'm afraid not. Uh probably a good thing too. Um have you heard about the uh, the crypto queen who's defrauded folks out of billions of dollars? There's a lot of there's a lot of shadiness going on in the yep. crypto world. Uh, the, the, Rod Babers has his shady name collection, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're Lloyd, if like your name Michael sounds Michaels. like either starts with the same letter or it sounds like two first names. Yeah, this one is Ruya Ignatova. Again, something out of like Rocky and Bowling. Yeah, right. Uh, in June 2016, when cryptocurrency was emerging, she, well, she called herself the crypto queen, and it called on, and she touted her company, OneCoin, as a lucrative rival to Bitcoin in the growing crypto market. She said, in two years, nobody will speak about Bitcoin anymore, she said. And then 16 months later, she boarded a plane in Bulgaria and vanished. She hasn't been seen Yikes. since. Uh, authorities say OneCoin was a pyramid scheme that defrauded people out of more than four billion dollars as she convinced investors in the u.s and around the globe to throw fistfuls of cash at her company man i don't understand how really smart people continue to fall for the dumbest things Mm -hmm. 
Like somebody just has this idea. Yeah, sure, I'll give you some money. I'm in. What do you need? Yeah. <laughs> it happens on that. It makes it sound. You remember uh, that ESPN 30 for 30 broke? Yeah. That agent was talking about oh, he had yeah? a client and he said, and I had one guy that was going to throw a bunch of money in uh, a tomato farm and they were going to grow oversized tomatoes. He said, hey, everybody loves ketchup, so you need big tomatoes. Like that sounds like a wiser investment than just handing somebody money. My mom, uh, rest her soul, she just recently passed. For 25 years, worked for the federal bankruptcy court in Dallas. She handled many bankruptcy cases of former Dallas Cowboys. Among the items she remembered listing, Mel Renfro's Honey Fried Chicken. That didn't work. Uh-huh, yeah. Harvey Martin. She handled several of uh, his investments that did not go well uh, as well awful as a bankruptcy uh, court clerk. So, yeah, she <laughs> told me some stuff about it. Okay, so we're into the... Um, Award season, award show season, and, and and folks who know me know I'm not really not much into the awards. Never really have been the the you know Academy Awards, the Tonys, the Grammys, the the uh, even the ESPYS. I'm just not never been that much into. I'll, I'll, I'll tune in and watch a little bit. Well, there was this recent you know the Razzies where they give out you know, worst performances. I dig those, yeah, yeah. Well, the Razzies have had to apologize and remove. One of their nominees from their annual list of worst actors, uh, they removed Ryan Kira Armstrong. You know why? She's 11. Well, they've had kids up for Razzies before. 11. And they nominated her for worst actress for her performance in Firestarter. I guess that's the reboot of the Drew Barrymore one. Uh, and uh, it bills itself as celebrating the worst the best of the worst in cinema. She, They got a whole bunch of backlash because she's 12 now. She was 11 when she did it. And their co-founder, John B. Wilson, said in a statement yesterday, sometimes you do things without thinking. Then you're called out for it. Then you get it. It's why the Razzies were created in the first place. The recent valid criticism of the choice of an 11-year-old Armstrong as a oh, nominee no. for one of our awards brought our attention to how insensitive we've been in this instance. As a result, we've removed Armstrong's name from the final ballot that our members will cast next month. We also believe a public apology is owed Ms. Armstrong and wish to say we regret... Any hurt she experienced as a result of her choices, the Razzies say going forward, they will only nominate those folks who are 18 or older. Gotta Being be insensitive and, and crass is why the Razzies were created in the first place. Yeah, but there is a line, is what they're saying. You can't do it with a child. Well, you know, I think the Razzies jumped the shark anyway when uh, Tom Green showed up in a tuxedo and rolled out a red carpet to accept his awards for Freddie Got Fingered. Yeah. I think it kind of jumped the shark at that point. But uh, this is... What, are we going to can- are roasts getting canceled next? We can cancel the celebrity roast if they're under eighteen. Got to be an adult. That's what they're saying. All right, whatever. All right. <laughs> Second hour, light the tower coming up on the horn.